0: Welcome to the Style Free Podcast, where a father and son detail and digress on a wide variety of topics within music, art, family, and culture. Your hosts are Professor Stephen J. Tyson Sr. and Jr., also known as Dad and Papo. Today's episode, we dive into a conversation about the evolution of rap flows, vocalies, jazz, synthesizers, auto-tune, and more. You know, we dive right into it so quick.
1: (laughs) you know, the idea of language, spoken word and rap and how this has just been with us for forever. Mm-hmm. And in the 30s and 40s, there was a guy named Slim Gaylord and a guy named Slam Stewart, who was a bass player. And they had a group called Slim and Slam. And, and when, when Slam would play the, the bass, he would be playing a vocal unison and I guess he was next to the bass so that the vibrations of his voice harmonized with the strings when he would be playing the bow. So it would go, you know, that kind of thing. And it was almost like a, like a synthesizer, like a vocorder, but back in the forties. And so, and Slim Gaylord, who was a guitar player and a piano player, uh he was in night music with um uh David Sanborn one time. Oh wow back in the eighties, right? Mm-hmm. I remember and that. He show. would have he'd have he'd have t- he would make up words like there was a popular song that your grandparents used to enjoy. It was called the Flatfoot Fluge <laughs> with the Floy Floy. Uh-huh. Flatfoot Floogie with the Floy Floy. Flatfoot <laughs> Floot with the Floy. It's a tongue twister. Yeah. Uh for me anyway. And it was a popular song. And it's like, like what's a flat foot flugee with the floy floy? What? I mean, he would just come up with these things. Like he would put, you know, O'Rooney, O'Rooney this, and Slim O'Rooney, And, you know, he would add things. And, and, and it's just a way of using language. It was almost like it was built off of scatting. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Or hearing foreign languages. G.I.s going over to France in the First World War. And and trying to speak French or something, and then they come by and say, "Well, you know, that's bougie or this or so." It's interesting how language builds and, and and where it comes from and how it gets into the lexicon and 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 also into the cultural mainstream. And then that made me think also how that's built off of, in a certain sense, of scatting.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: When Louis Armstrong, Ella Fitzgerald, and all these folks would be going, uh, I think there was one instance where somebody forgot the words. I think that was a story about Louis Armstrong or something. he was singing, you know you know i cover the waterfront. I forget what the name of the song might have been mm-hmm. maybe he he doesn't remember. He was like like, I bazo ba right so so words, you know, like somebody heard the sound of of um the boom bop, do dap bebop mm-hmm. oh, let's call that bebop. Right. It has a certain kind of rhythmic or percussive, you know, rhythm or something. So we've always found ways to ride along the rhythmic or sometimes the melodic, but the but the the rhythm is the under, is the foundation. And then you have the melody on top. And how the, the when the rhythm changes, you know, what what precipitates the change in the rhythm? Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on in society and culture and so forth that, that changes it does it match? Is it selected? It does it, does it manifest itself because it expresses the times Mm -hmm. or is it something that, that anticipates the times to come? Mm -hmm. It picks up on, on, on it's like listening to uh, your your ear is to a, a railroad track and you can hear the vibrations of the train in the distance coming. And so it manifests itself that way. So, uh, as artists, as creatives, you know, that, that kind of goes into that whole story as to what extent we are antennas and and then transmitters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so this is just part of that story, I think, that you were thinking about exploring, which is how has cadence, rhythm, yeah. manifests itself, you know, or I think you were saying drumline cadences with what was going on in the 80s or maybe even the early 90s in terms of a certain jazz aesthetic. Yeah. Maybe it's in time signatures. Maybe mm-hmm. it's in... We know that Rakim talked about the saxophone and John Coltrane yeah. and, you know, how instrumental that was, no pun intended, in, in his vocal delivery and his sense of, of time and where to land the beats and, and so forth. and how, how he even thinks about Units of time
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, in his flow. Yeah, I mean, you're right in there. So you're 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 an authority to be able to talk about these kinds of things uh, as well.
0: I mean, not, not, definitely not as universe. much of a, an authority as Ra Kim, but but it was reading his book that made me think about this topic. So because he was talking about. The influence of Charlie Parker and, you know, him also growing up and playing the saxophone and, and wanting to be a saxophonist at a certain point before he ended up getting into a, a budding young football career. When I was reading that, I was like, wow, it makes sense uh, hearing his flow and hearing a lot of, you know, of the flows that were used by various rappers, specifically in like the late 80s, like, You don't really start getting, at least in my perspective, you don't really start getting more of a diversity of flows until like the mid 80s, until the late 80s. Rakim and Big Daddy Kane and even KRS and Chuck D were rapping way differently than like Run DMC was in 85 or or Sugar Hill Gang was in 79. Um, They were Mm. a little more simplistic in their rhymes than it started to evolve into um, whenever you get to the mid to late 80s. Yes. And so it was like, so when I was thinking about that, I was then thinking about, I, I remember the first time I ever heard Migos and it was probably like the summer of 2012 or maybe 2011. And I think it was the Versace remix that Drake got on. I immediately was like, you know, this flow is very, it felt like very staccato, but it immediately reminded me of the snare drummers on a drum line because it has like a very, like, and i am also been thinking about Migos and and a lot of other rappers from the south, like they're coming from Atlanta. They're coming, from, you know, from the homeland of drumlines and HBCUs. So that's a, like, so I remember when I was living in New York, you know, from 2007 to 2011, and there was this exodus of New Yorkers. Everybody was leaving New York and moving to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's going on? Like, why is everybody moving to Atlanta? Most people were like, you know, the real estate is way cheaper, and I can do a similar job that I have right now. So. They just packed up and a lot of folks were just moving to Atlanta. But you also then get an increase and a surge of this energy where now in 2021, you have folks talking about how Atlanta is the black center of the United States. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was Harlem at one point. And it felt like at certain aspects and times it was maybe Chicago or Baltimore, or L.A., you know, it's been, you know, here and there, you know, Detroit, definitely. But now it's without question Atlanta, yeah. Uh, And and it's just like you know what, and even DC had its Chocolate City heyday, which gentrification and all that stuff is kind of deaded a lot of that. Philly is a very black city, but and you see a lot of gentrification and pushing, you know, folks getting pushed out of West Philly, pushed out of North Mm -hmm. Philly, left and right. Like even in the decade or so that I've been out here,
1: that reminds me of that film, that sequence in in um, in Boys in the Hood. Mm hmm. Yeah. And um, what's his name? Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne starts yeah. breaking down. Yep. You know how it's done. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: I mean, they were, they were saying it all back then. And, uh, and and that's that's what's interesting, too, is there's the gap in generation that happened after that. You had like boys in the hood and you had this knowledge or this medicine that was getting put in the candy, so to speak. But mm. then that kind of just fell by the wayside. It was a straight candy. And there's not a lot of information and knowledge is getting carried in there. So getting back to like flows and and like hip hop and everything, it's like, man, like here we are with this. Everybody's doing this. Like I remember I forget what year it was, but Snoop has his uh or at least had his um, podcast like GGTV, I think it was called. And one of the episodes, he's, I think he's on there with 50 Cent and he talks about the flow that everybody's using. And he's like, and he was like, everybody's using this flow. I could just take that flow and write whatever. And, you know, and it'll be a hit. It'll be popular. It'll be whatever. And folks have done that and it's still the hit flow. And so it just interesting. Whenever I heard him doing that, it made me think of like, and I was like, Wow, not only is that then drum lines, but then that's also military and then it also has like the sound effect of a machine gun too. And mm-hmm. so when you think about a lot of like the content that's in a lot of popular hip hop, you know, having that kind of flow will make a lot of sense in certain contexts or you oh, have God. folks who've been in the like a lot of rappers have been in the military, done ROTC, served some sort of time in a, you know, service capacity in the military. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes sense as to also how then you could lock into a flow like that, that, mm-hmm. that you're hearing, you know, around the base or around like, you know, the, the, that kind of like cadence. Yeah. And so like, I was just really thinking about like, like how we've evolved from that jazz style in the eighties and, and, and like late eighties to some extent, the early nineties, and then trying to figure out what was going on in the nineties in the nineties and the early two thousands, it felt very conversational. The hip-hop was more of a conversation like you had jay-z Nas, even like the like diggable planets or you know tribe called quest on the scene, tribe called Qu- like it was like folks are having a conversation with you and a lot of times over jazz beats yeah, so it
1: was, it's just, yeah. right right like so you have um uh uh, uh what's his name um abstract oh yeah. q-tip yeah q-tip right yeah. and he's saying and that was you know, and then and then Fife or somebody with uh-huh, come. chimes in back and forth, you know? yep. Yep. but that was sort of like trading the way that jazz musicians, you know, at a certain part of a song, they start going and the guy would answer, you know. response. Yeah, it's that communication. Yeah,
0: yeah, you know. So yeah, it was so it's interesting. Like you know, we get we go from this jazz flow to a jazz action of like call and response and conversation. You know, Mm -hmm. with the voice as the instrument. I'm trying to then figure out at what point it got more into like the drumline piece. I know we definitely had this dance phase with soldier boy and d4l and Mm. you know all these like songs that were starting to come from the south that were then giving us dances and so that made lyricists like Nas make albums called like hip-hop is dead where it was just what's going on with the lyricism what's going on with our message and our purpose if all we're doing is just dancing and snapping our fingers and stuff but then you also had lyricists coming out of the south like lil wayne and ti and Mm. young jeezy now he's just jeezy but yeah you had all these lyricists coming into play too and so it was like it then started to make the lyrics and, and, and what you're having to say almost as important as the beat and, and, and you know, the energy around it. And so then I started thinking about, well, if you have young kids who are influenced by the music that's going on down south, but yet you have some of these folks starting to also weave in the lyricism, and then you have kids coming up and be like, well, how do I express my lyricism? Like, what do I know? Then then it's like, well, what I know is, you know, my drumline, or what I know is what I'm doing in band at school, or you know, mm-hmm. out on the field with the marching band, or, you know, like whatever, or an ROTC or whatever it is, and start pattering lyrics into those cadences and those rhythms that they're mm-hmm. more familiar to. And mm-hmm. then that evolves as you know, folks grow older and then become groups like the Migos or whoever it is, and everybody's now then using that kind of flow, is at least my thought around
1: yeah. that yeah. kind of progress. And plus, when you have films like, like Drumline and that kind of thing, that gets out into the larger market. So people are kind of primed, mm-hmm. you know, for that. You know, when, when you talked about the, the drum lines and all that stuff, I was thinking about a guy who, came, who was in a, uh, I don't know if it's a bugle corps. He was in a, in, a, in a drum band, marching band type situation. That was Maurice White. Oh, yeah. So I wonder, you know, and he was a drummer too mm-hmm. so i'm wondering i'm i'm now i'm thinking i know that the, that that rhythm and the beat and everything was always important to him but i'm i'm also thinking about okay specifically how might that influence how might that have influenced his vocal flow and and cadence and that's something to look into i, I yeah. had i think out. it definitely influenced how he played the kalimba
0: because mm. there's a lot of like polyrhythms and little and syncopation that he does within the kalimba that's, that's pretty slick Oh, is that right? You, yeah. you can pick that up? I mean, just in listening to it, like I'm thinking about certain interludes that Earth, & Fire has, and it's just like, I'm curious as to if he's just doing it all in one shot or if he's layered certain Columbus sounds because the way mm. in which it weaves in with one another is pretty, is pretty cool. Well, the
1: fact that you can play different notes simultaneously, you know, in that mm-hmm. way. Yeah. It, 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 I, it, I've seen him do it in one, in one thing on stage, you know, mm-hmm. live on stage. But you're right, there may be some uh, overdubbing or something like that in some cases. There's a song that they did called, um, not to get too off the track, but Kalimba uh, Tree. It was originally an interlude uh, with the uh, album they did, uh, which had um, Rays. Let's Groove. Yeah, Raise, thank you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so then they had an extended track called Kalimba Tree, but I used to play that all the time. <laughs> you know, because I, I you know That's probably the one i'm thinking of <laughs> yeah because i love i always loved their interludes and i wish they went on longer but anyway um but but this idea though about about flow so you know you guys got guys over here you know with the three deuces mm-hmm. right yeah deuces. and that which is where your grandfather you know went after he came out of the army mm-hmm. uh and you you know you, you go down the steps and guys are playing the bandstand is real small uh you know they got the bar there and the whole thing you can see charlie parker miles davis and this is who this is who grandpa saw this is who your grandfather saw he saw this 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 lineup over here you see Uh, max Max roach Roach, miles davis somebody jordan oh that's duke jordan Uh yeah he was a piano player and um uh tommy potter is the last name on there. You can't really see it so much. You know, and he was the bass cat. And so I guess what I'm saying also is that 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 when you would hear Charlie Parker and he would go, you know, he could play a melody a certain kind of way and then he would go da he would break up the phrase into something else, you know, into these micro units and always land or delay or go over where he's supposed to land to the other side and then end where you don't think it's supposed to end. But, mm-hmm. but it's somehow it's always right where it's supposed to be. It always lands just right. Yeah. And, and that kind of intellectual creativity, you know, that heart uh, is something that I find also in some forms of rap.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Where you, you, you don't accept something just as it is, but you say, how can I take this? And use this as a vehicle to express, you know, something else. Just the way the bebop guys would take uh, some popular tune, and they would take the the basic chord structures of that original song, and then they put their own melody or come at it from a different angle. So this part of your ear, if you're in pop, you're familiar with popular culture, you're like, yeah, I can connect with mm-hmm. chord structure. That's familiar to me. My ear is attuned to that. But now I'm giving you some more. I'm giving you some other kind of information. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm using this platform to, to say what I need to say. Part of it is a commentary on the music. Part of it is a commentary on the culture. Part of it is the com- is, is me expressing what I need to say. This is my mm-hmm. platform. It's that kind of liberation, that, that kind of stand that was so important and so empowering to many people, whether they chose to be. Jazz musicians are not,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know, it was just another platform. You know, some other people were doing it in other arenas, but the music is so amazing because it gets projected on the radio. It goes over the airwaves. It goes past barriers. It's like those kids in the South and or in in, um, the growing suburbs or in the Midwest somewhere. And I'm talking about mostly white kids. Rock and roll. They're like, now they know that their parents are not. You know, they have some certain political or social um, restrictions, but there's something about that that beat, that rhythm, mm-hmm. that that mm-hmm. that that energy, and it it cap- captures their imagination. And they start listening to the lyrics. of, so for well, your your neighborhood might be segregated, but the airwaves weren't segregated. Right it traveled over. If you had a receiver, you could listen. Some of those kids would put their, you know, would hide under the bed or under their mm-hmm. pillow, or they would, you know, and listen to this, whoever, the Five Royals, the yeah. Dominoes, the, the, you know, Sunny Till and the Orioles, mm-hmm. uh, then later on Elvis and, you know, all these other, Little Richard, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. what? Yeah. So that's the power of, of music and, and the technology and being able to use it, mm-hmm. you know, in order to advance the culture.
0: Yeah, definitely. And like, and I think that, you know, thinking about the people taking the pattern and the rhythm and the flow that's really popular right now, like the folks who are considered like some of the best to do it or the best rappers alive right now are the ones who've been able to take that flow, but use it to still convey their message their way, as mm. opposed to doing that flow and then just making whatever throwaway song that you could make with it. So like Kendrick Lamar, J. Cole, Big Sean, folks like that are using, you know, this more modern kind of triplet flow or, or, mm. or military or drum line, drum cadence kind of flow and incorporating it as needed, but are doing it in a more unique way. How how are you responding to that with your own music? And I mean, so with my album Intellectual Property, like part of that was intentional to make songs that Either the beat felt old school, but yet the the flow or the 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 content was relevant to right now, or mm-hmm. the flow felt a bit old school, and, and it was intentional in that regard too. So like a song like Degrees, where mm-hmm. it's definitely more contemporary, and the flow is that triplet or that that cadence that that we were just speaking of. Um, it definitely Ba-ba-da-boom. Ba-ba-da-boom. Ba-ba- exactly. Ba-ba-ba- yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Way different than, you know, my song Old School or my song What's Up, that are definitely more intentional in having that old school kind of flow. Just because, I mean, I was you know born in 85. I've raised on all these artists that helped to change hip hop's flow and lyricism forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so to not one, I mean, it, that's never going to not be in me because, you know, that's just the era I grew up in and the folks that I grew up on. But to not also
1: acknowledge that while also you know, like carrying it forward you know it's I like tipping your know, hat and acknowledging those who laid the foundation you know but yeah it's still going still moving forward yeah yep exactly you're carrying it with you forward you mm-hmm. know you're, you're carrying that aspect of the culture you, you know you're holding it up in a way and saying you know I acknowledge you you know when you hear somebody and let's go back to jazz again you hear somebody like uh, Charlie Parker or you hear Miles Davis or you hear um, Sonny Rollins or they are carrying the people that they listen to. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Miles Davis might have been uh, Freddie Webster, mm-hmm. you know, Fats Navarro, uh, you know, some of his contemporaries, Dizzy Gillespie, of course, Clark Terry. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he that's embodied in yeah. what he's doing, right? Sonny mm-hmm. Rollins listening to Coleman Hawkins. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the Hawk. I mean, that was that was the cat. You know, Ben Webster, all these guys, Leslie mm-hmm. Young. And I would say even even you know Lester Young with Miles to to some extent, you know they're they're paying attention and they're and they're saying I respect you, I I I connect with what you're doing. Okay, now I'm gonna fold that into my flow mm-hmm. and keep moving, keep moving. Yeah. So you're in the, in that sense, even though it's different genres per se, um, the the principle of carrying the culture forward, you know, is still there and 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 not by by by. Um, You know, closing the door on the past, you know, like Miles would say, I never look at the past. I don't I don't pay attention to. But Mm -hmm. he knew where he came from. Mm -hmm. And you can't build you can't build anything off of nothing. Right. (laughs) You know, so people say that. But but the point is, is that whether you acknowledge it or not, you're building off of something that your antecedents or what came before. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's how that's how we and I think it's important to know that I think it's important to know the names because then it gets people out of the the sense that you know they're inventing the the wheel right you know, or or that it's all about me no you're one part of a mm-hmm. bigger picture yeah uh, and I've I've noticed that you know as I get older, you know, I'm even more cognizant of the fact that your time here is a certain, is a certain shelf life, as it were, you know? Mm -hmm. And so what is the quality of the time? How, what, what are the things that are important that you want to, what's your legacy, you know, going to be Mm -hmm. and how, how can you take from the past, learn from the past, not be bound by the past, but take the best of it and carry it forward, you know, whole Sankofa concept.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Right. So, um, yeah, so so you mentioned a, a, a couple of things there. I was thinking of star. These are the words that I manifest. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which 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 uh, is built off of. Night in Tunisia. Night in Tunisia. Very good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Those car rides. <laughs> <laughs> and then you had, then you have talk about like vocal flow and cadence. Mm-hmm. So, so Charlie Parker, right. There was a style of music that developed mm-hmm. called vocalise. Uh, vocalese. Hmm. I don't know if you ever heard of that. No, so, vocalese now. Yeah. Vocalese, Eddie Jefferson, King Pleasure, Lambert, Hendrix and Ross, you know, with John Hendrix, you know, who was affiliated with Dizzy. So they would take a song by Charlie Parker in his melody line and they would and then they would put words to it. Oh wow it vocalese, right you know so a song could be you know uh, you know you've you've heard the song because um it, it was famous um you were very young but Frankie Crocker used to have it on WBLS and he would always play King Pleasure's version of um Moody's Mood for Love. Yeah there I go there that one there I go there I go uh uh-huh. so that whole vocalese style, such a funny thing, and every time I near you, I never can hear mm-hmm. So that song me. originally didn't have words? I think it was built off of a song of, of off of a melody line mm-hmm. of of jazz music. Mm. I know they did that with some other songs that Charlie Parker did. And I can't remember the names of the song right now. I'm sort of having a little brain fog the uh, <laughs> last couple of <laughs> days. But uh, anyway, um, but that's something, you know, you can look that up. But I, mm-hmm. the point is, is that that's another way in. Yeah. You know, it wasn't scatting, it wasn't, you know, scooter you know, scooter. da da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that
0: really reminds me of So I there, I just heard this song a, a few weeks ago, it's by this rapper named Marlon Kraft, and he has this mm-hmm. song called Road Trippin' and the way that he raps in a certain section of the song is so slick because he ends up following the kick in the song it's like and so he just follows he just makes words that Fit and it's, it's really dope. I could probably play it for you real quick too. Yeah, but yeah. like, I, yeah, this, yeah, Marlon Craft Road Tripping is a is a good example of like I guess like a modern example of the vocalese the vocalese yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. That you're talking about, yeah, 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 yeah. Now that's cool. When he was doing that, uh by the way, his flow, you know, reminded me a bit like a like a instrumentalist, a jazz mm-hmm. instrumentalist or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When he said da da da, I was thinking. Don't push me. Cause uh, push uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm <laughs> I'm giant, nah. Yep. You, nah yeah. Uh-huh. Wow, you know, that's real, yeah, yeah. Grandmaster flash, right? You know, and yeah, Melly, Melly Mel, Melly Mel yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think this this idea has been, you know, it's 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 there. It's it's away for a while. Some people come back with it. You know, we were talking before about bone thugs and harmony. Mm-hmm. And this idea that that rapid style. Of of cadence, you know that that Eminem picked up on later on, and that mm-hmm. became on mm-hmm. But then the other guy, uh, Shinehead, Shinehead. Yeah, right, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. You know there was a time, tongue twister, you yeah, know,
0: yeah, who, who, who changed his name to Twister, and then everybody knows who he is
1: yeah yeah <laughs> you know yeah it's incredible
0: yeah. i was actually listening to the uh dj callin's uh the welcome to my hood remix dj dj callin yep. <laughs> well no the echo was dj clue. Oh, clue clue
1: you're right you're right you're right that's right
0: dj callin <laughs> just scream all over it at the beginning <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's a it's like and there's a lot of people on that song, but there's a lot of fast rappers on it, like Busta Rhymes, Twista, even oh, yeah. T Pain. T Pain is an underrated rapper, singer, lyricist. Like T Pain is somebody who can not only rap fast, but also give you a melody with it. And, 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 and the lyrics will also make you laugh at the same time. T Pain <laughs> yeah. is very, very underrated.
1: T pain. Right. Yeah,
0: because people that's usually not. just think of him as like, oh, he just puts auto tune on his
1: voice and he can't really sing, or he. Oh that's yeah, not the yeah. Case. yeah. That's not the case at all. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Auto tune. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. Yeah, uh, it
0: kind of took the vocoder and put people in key. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so like, if you couldn't,
0: if so, if you couldn't sing in key, or if you couldn't play the keyboard with the vocoder in mm. key, or even know how to play keyboards, then you weren't able to do it and then people like people ended up taking once they learned about auto tune and, and that software mm-hmm. ended up using that and, and being able to manipulate that in ways that have changed you know modern music in its own well, way you know that's
1: weird but then going back you know taking that whole that connection with the vocorder mm-hmm. you, you could bring that back to um you know, not just Roger Troutman and Zap and, and and which was Computer Love and all those kind of two, but then you go back to Herbie, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the Sunlight album, you know, for example, right? Then you then you go back a little bit further. It's 1972 release on Stevie Wonder with yep. the song Girl Blue. Uh-huh, Have you yeah. heard the song Girl Blue? Yeah, yeah, I love that song. Yeah, yeah I yeah, can yeah, yeah. play that in here too. Yeah, I mean, that change using electronically changing it kind of reminds me i was talking before about slam stewart mm-hmm. uh and 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 the way that he used the bass you hear that in, in dizzy gillespie you know uh had some of that too you, you can't also leave out the guys who produced it robert margaleff and malcolm cecil mm. you know with the Tonto system you know that integration of different uh, synthesizers and computers once they connected with stevie it was full-on i mean he was just finding ways you know to to do that in his the three classic quote-unquote stevie albums you know there was there was sort of the i have the album that came out before this one mm-hmm. came out in i believe 71 it's called where i'm coming from
0: mm-hmm.
1: and it's there where he's starting to begin experimenting with some funky electronic kind of stuff. But, but it really comes full, full force, uh, in music of my mind. Yeah. And then, and then talking book from big brother and, and and all the other songs on there. And then, and then of course, uh, inner visions,
0: mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which is
1: golden lady. And <laughs> it, just, those, it just goes on. I mean, th- those are considered the classics. Stevie of course, you know, songs in the key of life. Yeah. I mean, you can't, <laughs> I mean, In come magnum on. Magnum opus. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, man. But that foundation was set. Now, by that, but, but he, had, he was no longer working with um, Malcolm Cecil and Robert Margalev. Now, they went on to work with, um, not to get too far off, off track here, but they went on to work with the Isley Brothers. Oh, wow. So, listen to 3 Plus 3. Listen to some of the other uh, albums that the, uh, I think it was um, up to Harvest for the World listen to the use of the synthesizers, you know, in their albums, fight the power, right? The heat is on. That's the name of the album, you know, but the it's the, there's a song by that name as well. And, and I have to tell you, um, Ernie Isley, in my opinion, is so underrated, underappreciated as a guitarist. I mean, I can't. I, it's, it's it's almost criminal that this guy hasn't gotten the recognition and the acknowledgement and the flowers, you know, for what he's done, and he's still alive. And and you know, uh, Ronald Isley turns eighty this year. Wow, isn't that crazy? Quincy Jones just turned eighty-eight. Mm-hmm. Wow, <laughs> you, man, the train is moving, bro. It really the train is definitely moving. And it's bro. crazy
0: too. Like I remember as a kid. Like thinking about like myself doing music and the people I'd want to collaborate with one day, most of the folks I wanted to collaborate with as a kid are dead. dead.
1: Well, you know, you can always like you know be on a remix or something <laughs> <laughs> right 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 <laughs> you know in fact, um I was thinking about uh you know like that um song that Natalie Cole did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately. Oh, with their dad, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where they got to harmonize
0: and they got to, you know, mm-hmm. sing together. And Drake did a song with Michael Jackson a couple of years ago. Oh, is that right? They basically just took Michael's vocals from the Paul Anka sessions.
1: I didn't know about I didn't processed. know I never, I never heard about that though. Yeah, yeah. The Paul Anka
0: sessions? Yeah. So like Michael Jackson and Paul Anka did a few sessions in the mid-80s. That's where the song, um, This Is It? Here I yeah. stand. That came from the Paul Anka sessions, hey, and so
1: that. did Love Never Felt So Good. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. That's what when you think about, um, you know, songs that never uh, seen the light of day, you know, that mm-hmm. are in the vault. Yeah. But, you know, Michael was also somebody who paid attention to rhythm. I Very mean, he much was so. A rhythm king. Yeah. You know, and and so his vocals, that that's another thing. It also reminds me that we talk about rhythm and beat and all of that. There was also an influence. And this is one of the things that I remember listening to a jazz musician theorize. It might have been Max Roach. I'm not sure. But uh, he said that that he felt that 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 tap dancing mm. had a very profound influence on bebop. Hmm. On the rhythms and beat, yeah. And when I think about that, I thought about that when I was thinking about some of the drumline music. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like yeah, there's definitely a, a derivation that can come from like uh, tap dancing or hoofing, as they call yes. it. Yes, like, yes. And then, um, and then also thinking about whenever you're talking about rock and roll music and Bo Diddley. How I was reading Paul Mooney's memoir. Mm. Um, oh, really? Oh, yeah, Black as the New White. It's fantastic. I would definitely pick this up. It's 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 incredible. And he talks about how growing up, he used to do hambone all the yes, time. Yes, and he was yes. saying he was like, yeah, hambone was everywhere. Hambone this and the other. He was like, and then Bo Diddley did hambone, and everybody
1: called it rock and roll. That's right. That's right. Hey, Bodilay, yeah, uh-huh. Bodiladen, Ladan, dun, yeah. dun, 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 Dun. dun, 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 dun. Which hand is bone, hand bone, Where you been? Yeah, Round the world and on again. <laughs> yeah, and then, you know all this kind of.
0: Yeah, Pat and Juba, all of that Patent, stuff. And yeah, it is. Everything it is. is just the derivation of it all. All boils down to Africa and, yeah. and the yeah. diaspora. So right, yeah, I would definitely check out Paul Mooney's memoir. Um, Oh okay, I made note of that. Yeah, it's called "Black Is the New White." (laughs)
1: Okay, awesome. Thanks, Dad. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you, Pop.